and talking about our our local community here um as people can probably tell i have an accent or mm-hmm. you all have accents and i don't uh, you know this is in my original country and i've been in brisbane about 15 years and that um south brisbane that you were just talking about is something i never knew about and can't even imagine it's always been a concrete uh, park lands with a fake beach since i've been here and so uh, of course, there's still Musgrave Park as a gatherings place, but um, that rich cu- richness of culture that seemed to be there when you're growing up seems to be maybe have dispersed or been dispersed, and um, and that uh, culture around Boundary Street uh, maybe has changed quite and is changing still very significantly. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what it Certainly was like? A, a lot of the boarding houses have gone now mm. and cheaper accommodation that, that our people would have um, lived in. Mm-hmm. And, and South Bank has totally changed. Mm. That was a place where many Aboriginal people lived and, and met their friends. Um, but yes, we still have Musgrave. So what happened? When, when did that um, transition from that um, vibrant um, cultural area of your community trend was that the expo that turned that into oh it goes it goes back to to the 1930s 1940s when when macarthur was kicked out of the philippines by the japanese forces he um set up the so-called brisbane line and uh he based his uh pacific military leadership um here in brisbane uh, and uh he was based in the um the car the chambers down there in the corner of uh, Queen Street and Edward Street. So, and he had uh, all his white soldiers camp bivouacked where QUT at uh, Calvin Grove is, and down towards the um, Royal Brisbane Hospital in that parkland down there. That's where his white soldiers were, but he refused to let his the black soldiers mix with them. So he had all his black GIs uh, bivouacked here in South Brisbane, uh, and. It was a very interesting place because the black soldiers liked the, the, the really groovy music and uh, they liked the booze and the good times and the certain cigarettes that uh, gave a bit of a buzz. So a lot of lot of stories uh, and um, a lot of our mob, of course, welcomed uh, black Americans. And and it, it, MacArthur's intent was to keep, keep the white ladies of Brisbane safe from these dreadful black people who... Only wanted one thing, etc. But a lot of the white ladies found their way across the bridge anyway. So a lot of things happened. There's a lot of a lot of families, a lot of families around around Brisbane uh, have you know, uh, children who, who date back to that time, and uh, and that for sort of uh, bought because at, at that at that time there were a lot of uh, merchant shipping companies had uh, had uh, dock space, etc. Right through. That area, uh, but as as time went on, um, things I, I things change. Yeah, just yes. just tell her, just yes. tell her that uh, we'll call her back in five seconds. Yeah, so it was a really interesting place uh, coming out of the, and then uh, when um, when MacArthur moved back into the Philippines, he took all these trips with him, of course. Um, but a lot of the legacy still stayed in place because the uh, because MacArthur did not trust uh, Aboriginal soldiers, <coughs> and then the uh, 
the American um, the American military leadership during the 1960s time of Vietnam also carried over that distrust of, of, of black Australians because that, that sort of entrenched racism. So, um, so a lot of black soldiers were, were left to uh, in the service battalions here in, in Australia and other places. And, uh, and the character of the place began to change. Um, and then right the way through to, um, um, because of the, uh, the need for um, labour, um, a lot of the Protectionist Act's uh, regulations were relaxed and Aboriginal and Torres Strait people were allowed to move off the missions and reserves and come into Brisbane to, um, to provide you know, labour for the, uh, the industries. So there's this gradual shift in populations from the rural areas into Brisbane, uh, rather through the 40s, 50s, 60s, and uh, and then there was um, there were house commission suburbs built on the south side, north side, uh, and there were still those sort of clubs and nightclubs there around South Brisbane that uh, had been set up during the the high days, and uh, and a lot of blacks just gravitated to, to those places, and where the performing arts precinct is now, there were those same pubs. So, but then in uh, the 90s, early 1970s, we noticed that uh, a lot of things started to happen. Uh, so obviously the, uh, the town planners uh, were focused on uh, a possible bid for the, for the Expo, uh, World Expo, uh, Commonwealth Games, these sort of things were coming up. So as the, as the licences for, uh, for the black pubs uh, ran out, uh, then they were not renewed. So the pubs like the Adelaide uh, Palace and Manhattan uh, just became, uh, they, they were just not renewed and they just, uh, people just moved out of those. And then uh, the ploughing was, because they had the Commerce Pub, uh, they kept that up. Uh, and then the, the shipping as well, we just had plans for that. So there's a lot of, like I said, forward thinking. And, uh, and there were, Back in the when I was a kid, you know, during the sixties and seventies, there were large numbers of, of our people living around West End, South Brisbane, Highgate Hill, but Dutton Park. But uh, when uh, when you started moving to the nineteen eighties, um, when like I said, that forward planning started to kick in with the Commonwealth Games in eighty two, then the Expo in eighty eight, then um, there was again massive shifts of population away from that inner city area and a lot of our mob uh, lost their lost their cheap rentals and boarding houses these sorts of places and we moved out into our place like Anala, uh, Gales, Goodna, uh, Logan City so the city council and the feds uh, sort of constructed that welfare corridor uh, from Ipswich right the way through to, to Logan, Woodridge and that's what you have today and, uh, and you still have large numbers of our mob who once lived in here or living in those places and you've got uh, massive unemployment, uh, appalling uh, overcrowding in the houses, uh, very limited access to decent healthcare, uh, uh, decent education and these sorts of things. So those problems have been created now because that social, uh, social Darwinism and so when you talk about the, the black pubs being not having their license renewed and 
forward planning. Do you, did people at the time see that as intentional? Oh, yeah. Because rents started going up, and then the next step was as soon as people couldn't pay their rent anymore, the bank they then had to uh, go to the house question and get bumped out to the suburbs. So I saw that with you know even with uh, Cribbola, there's a large number of blacks still living at Cribbola, but uh, that was all closed down to uh, build a new airport, and people who had incredibly you know lovely wonderful houses with the you know Pacific Ocean right in front of them and all the fish in the world and all the mud crabs you could eat once again suddenly found themselves living in uh, a place like an Arla Woodridge or Ipswich. Nothing against those sorts of places but you get used to one sort of lifestyle and then for you've got no control over it you suddenly move from there into another place. Yes, a lot of, a lot of our elders still feel very angry about that. And so the, that um, really suggests you, know, you grew up and you, you lived in times when um, structural racism, structural violence is probably the norm and you've survived and thrived and grown up a family and um, brought culture and uh, knowledge to many people. I'm wondering really what do you think things have improved since those times? At, at one level... Things, you know, things certainly changed. I mean, back in the days, when I first stepped into university back in 1970, um, I was first Aboriginal student to go to law school at Union of Queensland. Um, when we started the legal service in 71, 72, there wasn't a single Aboriginal trust child lawyer. Um, when we opened the doors to the medical service in, 80, in 72, 73, not one single Aboriginal trust child doctor, you know, so... Looking at it now, you, you've virtually got hundreds of, of our lawyers around the, across Australia and hundreds of doctors and hundreds of nurses. So, so things have changed. I mean, I got kicked out of University of Queensland twice for uh, doing things like invading the Senate boardroom and all that sort of bullshit. So, um, but then I was offered the opportunity to teach out there at University of Queensland to teach um, Black Australian literature and Black Australian politics. So. Um, and I was there for a little while. Um, but, and when I was there, I was just amazed because I think I was uh, there about 97, 98. There was about 220, 230 Indigenous students across a lot of, you know, all the different faculties. So, we, hey, so not just the humanities. There was uh, Murray kids enrolled in engineering, dentistry, these sorts of things. So, so a huge step forward. And, uh, and these are generally kids who are the first, the first, members of their family to actually get into a university so so that's that's changed a lot of a lot of like i said a lot of different levels things have changed but then the fact of the matter is in the last five weeks we've had two aboriginal deaths in custody here in brisbane so self-same situations as faces with uh daniel york back in 93 uh, so you still have this uh, racist fascist cop mentality who place no value on, on the lives of Aboriginal people and uh, will still terrorise and brutalise and murder Aboriginal people and still uh, walk away scot-free. So, so on one hand, you've got more kids in university. Uh, on one hand, you've got the... Uh, a lot of major organisations have their so-called reconciliation action plan. Uh, you have this 
whole bullshit campaign to change the Australian Constitution. You have Aboriginal Trust and other people now appearing in, uh, in senior jobs. Um, you've got Aboriginal woman, uh, Leanne Clay, in the state parliament as a minister. So whole range of different levels you've got uh, constructive, positive, forward moves. But at the other level, it's a lot uh, Aboriginal people being terrorised and brutalised and murdered on the streets of our, our neighbourhoods by the same sort of racist uh, you know, cops.